You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Tell someone beside you the title of my sermon this evening, The Many Things. The Many Things. Tell them there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. So how is everybody's day? Good from our first session? Did everyone get uh, some time in solitude and seeking God and, and, and lingering in his presence? Lots of mumbles there. What is going on? Yes? No? Martha, Martha. Mar- that's going to be my catchphrase from now on, Okay. When I see any of you not spending time with the Lord, Martha, Martha, you're all going to be Martha's to me now. So just in, in, I guess, quick summary of our first session this morning, we talked about that one thing necessary that Jesus was discussing with the, the sisters, Mary and Martha, in Luke chapter 10. And we talked about that story, we, we, the, the story of how Martha, having served the Savior in her home, got really busy and distracted with the many things that she had to do in the house. And as a result, she missed out in being present with Christ. Not just that, but that lack of being present with the Savior caused her to see the many things that she had to deal with, the many things on her plate with a different light. She became anxious and distracted. Remember, the many things in our lives, all the responsibilities, the the kids, the bills, the, the husband, the wife, right? Everything, all those many things are not bad things. It's just how we view those things and how we deal with those things and how oftentimes those things can become distractions to the main thing, to the one thing that we are called to um, do, that we are invited to. And that is, of course, to be present with uh, the presence of God, to be present with the Savior. And again, those many things are not bad things. Again, it's just depending on how we view and how we deal with those many things that can cause us anxiety and, and cause us to stress. And so this session, we're going to take a closer look at the many, many things and look at the remedies that we find in Scripture to help us deal with those, those anxious thoughts, to help us deal with uh, or prevent us from getting to that place where we are completely anxious about the many things in our lives. Remember uh, from our, our our, our first session, the, the Greek word for anxious, the, the word that was used to describe Martha is meremnao, to be distracted, to, to care so much that you're drawn in opposite directions, you're divided into parts. You've gone to pieces because you're pulled in different directions of the things that you're worrying about, that you're caring for, that you're responsible for. And that is what ultimately causes us to lose focus, causes us to lose faith or or discourages us. And so what we see in our passage this this evening in Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus addressing those anxieties. He's addressing the worries of the people that he's talking to. And not only that, not only is he addressing them, but he's offering, offering remedies to them. 
offering uh, remedies so that they would not get anxious and have a proper perspective over the many things in their life. And remember, look, look how he starts, right? He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He recognizes the many things that these people are worried about, are anxious about, and he tells them straight out, don't be anxious. Then from there, he begins to give reasonings or he gives reasons to the people to try to convince them as to why they should not worry, why they should not be anxious. And that is our hope for um, this evening in this session, that we would also take Christ's perspective, his remedies, his reasoning as to why we ourselves, we as believers in 2023, should not worry about the things in our lives as well. That we would hear what the Savior is saying and reconcile his reasoning, his, his, his teachings with our own anxieties and our own worries, with the many things that we have in our lives. That we would take his remedies and, and use it so that we can keep focus when we go back to the city, when we go back to our day-to-day -day lives. And, and so that we aren't so anxious now, something to take note, similar to our first session, the Savior's words here are very weighty. They're taken very seriously. The remedies that he's prescribing is not just some, you know, run-of-the-mill fix. It's not just a, uh, it's not a sort of, you know, uh, uh, sort of a, a home brew remedy or, or, or uh, you know, what is it for, for, for us Filipinos? It's Vicks VapoRub, right? You put Vicks VapoRub and everything and it fixes everything. It's not that. It's, it's so weighty. Like, imagine for a minute that this is the author of truth prescribing us how to remedy our anxieties. Understand how weighty that is. This is not Pastor Ian saying it. This is not, you know, this is not some other guy saying it. This is the savior of the world. This is the author himself of truth. There is a weight to what the, these remedies that, that, are, that, that the Savior is prescribing to the people and to us this evening. This, this evening, we're not going to go into the passage verse by verse as we've been doing just to save some time. I know we ran a little bit uh, over this first session, the first session, but we're going to try to save some time this evening. So we're going to get straight into the points. We're going to get to the, to, to the remedies that Jesus is uh, prescribing to us, the remedy to anxiety, okay? The remedy to anxiety. First one, remember your identity. Remember your identity. Look at verse 26 with me. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Then in verse 30, he says a similar thing. He says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What's Jesus saying here? What's, what's, what's these, these comparisons about? First, God feeds the birds, and you're more valuable than the birds. Right? Pretty simple. Secondly, God clothes the grass that are temporal, and so therefore he will clothe you because you are of more value than the grass. Very straightforward, very simple. But what Jesus is reminding us, what he's reminding the people in this passage is that we are of more value than the rest of creation. 
We are valuable to God. In our identity in the eyes of God, we are valuable to him. You know, part of, uh, part of what causes us to be anxious is that we often forget our identity in God. And not just our identity, but our value in God. That in, that in turn causes us to waver in the faith. Again, remember in our passage, Jesus tells the people who are anxious, Oh, you of little faith. This is why Jesus has to remind the people of their value, of their identity. See, lest we, and now, lest we think that our identity, our, our, our merit, our value is based on anything that we are, anything that we can muster up, think again. The identity that Christ is calling the people to remember is not tied to us, not our choosing, not something that we identified as. Two identities to remember what Jesus is pointing at here. And, and, and this will help us remain uh, unanxious, keep us from worrying if we remember these two identities that we have as human beings, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to this. You are an image bearer of God. You are an image bearer of God. Not just that we were created in his image, but that above all other creatures that walk the earth, only we bear his image. Therefore, we are, we are more valuable than anything else. We are more valuable than the rest of creation. His, his being image bearers, meaning we, we bear the communicable attributes of God, the, the potential to love, to reason, the creativity, to do good. Humans alone contain a glimpse of the inherent glory and beauty of God. It was only in creation, only, only when God created human beings did he say, let us make man in our image. He didn't say that about dogs or whales or anything else. It's why we are so valuable. Why, why, why Jesus is pointing to our value in Matthew chapter 6. We are of more value than the birds and then we are more valuable than the bees and the bugs and the trees by, by, simple, by the simple fact that we are image bearers of God. It's why life at conception is to be preserved and protected because at that moment of conception, that child already bears the image of God. Not because the father or their mother or the doctor confers value once it's born or while it's still in the womb. At the moment of conception, there's already an image bearer of God. Our intrinsic value is rooted in us being image bearers of God. And if you know scripture, you know how much God fights for his name to maintain his glory. It's why, it's why, why any sin against any other human being is ultimately a sin against God because you are sinning, you are, you are committing an act of sin against an image bearer of God. Now all of that to say the first identity that we have to remember is that you are valuable because you are an image bearer of God. Are you not of more value than these, is what Jesus is saying. Second identity you need to remember. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Notice what Jesus says in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Your, don't, don't skip that. Your heavenly Father feeds them. This is something new, by the way, to the Jewish people in, in, in Jesus' day. 
Yes, they knew that you know God was their God, but to, or, or somehow how somehow recognize him as as their father, but to to be so personal, to be so intimate, that was something new. Then verse 32, he goes on to say, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Again, the identity of being a child of God. Twice Christ reminds his disciples, the people he's talking to in this passage, that they are children of God. These are disciples who still doubted, who still feared, who still would have abandoned Christ at the cross, who, who, who had yet to experience the resurrection, and Christ has called them children of God. How much more us, blood-bought believers, forgiven at the cross, justified and forgiven, chosen? How much more are we declared the children of God, according to the rest of Scripture? We are more children of God today than the disciples were when Jesus declared these truths to them. Now that being the case, in the next chapter of Matthew, chapter 7, rather, it says in verse 9 to 11, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. It's pretty clear. Jesus is saying, if we evil, imperfect fathers here in this world are able to give our kids good things, how much more our perfect heavenly father? So connecting that identity of, of a loving and caring and giving God, our heavenly father, to us being children of God. The point here is that we are to trust in our Heavenly Father. You can trust your identity in Christ and, and by, you, you, can, you can fend off the, the, the temptation to be anxious and worry by recalling to your mind that you are, in a, you are a child of God. That the world that you fear, that the world that you're anxious about is in the hands of our Heavenly Father. I don't need to worry. I'm a child of God. My Father in heaven cares and loves for me. He, he knows what I need. He knows what I want. I am valued by Him. I am an image bearer of God. He will preserve me. I am of value. Not because of anything I have in me, but because who God calls me. Who God has made me. Remember your identity. Remember your value in God, in Christ. That's number one. That's the first remedy. Remember your identity. Number two, rely on God's sovereignty. Rely on God's sovereignty. Sovereignty. God is in control and he has the power to provide, to help, to preserve you. The examples that Jesus gives in our passage, just very quickly, again, verse 26, he's talking about birds who don't sow or reap, meaning farm, right? And bring into the barn, yet they are provided for. In verse 28, he's talking about the lilies of the field who neither toil nor spin, meaning they don't, they don't have to make dresses, they don't have to yarn things. Yet they are clothed in such beauty that is greater than Solomon's array. Just as God has the power to provide for such creatures, 
who do not work, who don't have a nine-to-five job, God has the power to provide for our needs as well. Now, mind you, and this is very important, mind you, this is not an excuse to be idle. This is not an excuse to be an idol. God is going to provide everything I need anymore. Like, you know, everything I ever wanted, the food on my table, that's fine. I'll just sit at home and play video games. That's not the case. We read throughout Scripture multiple times that work is good, that work is from the Lord. That we are to be like the ant who stores up for the harvest. We also read how the opposite of work, being idle or being a sloth, is a sin. So Jesus' remedy here is not to push for idleness. You know, the Lord will provide anyway. No, we're called to steward things. The push here is to trust in the power of God to provide. To trust in the power of God to, to help and to preserve us. What Jesus is simply saying is that a father can and will provide for our needs. You don't need to worry. He's in control of both, uh, of, of both seasons of plenty and seasons of poverty. You have to understand that. Now, don't diminish that reality. Jesus is inviting us to trust the creator of the universe. The creator who created the universe, ex nihilo, uh, from nothing. That's who is going to provide our needs. That's who we're called to trust with our day-to-day needs, our daily bread. But listen, I get why it's hard to trust. I get why it's difficult for us to, to put our reliance and our trust in God's sovereignty. Because oftentimes, God's sovereignty also contains hardship, pains and troubles, trials. All of that is included in His sovereign will and plan for us. But again, this is why Christ frames God's power, God's sovereignty in His fatherhood. Again, in verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What's Jesus saying here? Because when we, see, when we see God's hand, God's power, God's sovereignty in light of his fatherhood over us, it becomes a little more bearable. It becomes a little more acceptable. Because though we may not always understand his sovereign plans, we can always trust his father heart. That's the reality of it. When we don't understand why God is bringing us seasons of, of drought and poverty and trials and difficulty, we can trust that He is still a loving Father that cares for us, that is going to be the one to bring us through those seasons, that is going to be the one to provide for us in those seasons. We can trust His heart. Rely on God's sovereignty. Rely on God's sovereignty. That's the second remedy, last remedy. Wow, we're flying through this because I want us to have more time in our, in our uh, breakout sessions. Remedy number three. Listen to this. Rearrange your priorities. Rearrange your priorities. This last remedy is really a combination of the first two of our identity, remembering our identity and depending, relying on God's sovereignty. Look at verse 31 with me. 
Oh, we're just starting from verse 31, but it's a whole passage here. It's a very curious passage. Let me read it for you. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's curious about this passage is that it applies for those who have yet to enter the kingdom, but not those who are already citizens of it. It applies for those who have yet to enter the kingdom, but not those who are citizens of it. Let me explain why. See, Jesus is making a third comparison in this passage. So first, the birds. Second, there's the flowers. Now he's comparing us to the Gentiles. Those who, technically speaking, at the time were not Jews. He's making a distinction as he calls his disciples to not be anxious. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the rest of the world. Why? Because you're not from this world. You're not of this world. You don't have the same cravings as this world. You don't have the same desires. You don't have the same inclinations as the people of this world. Nor does this world have the same connection to the Father as you. What's Jesus doing here? Well, he's bringing up another identity to his disciples. He's saying, he's speaking to God's people, the citizens of his kingdom. It's why I said this passage applies for those who have yet to enter the kingdom. It's an invitation to enter and seek the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness, as Jesus says. It doesn't apply for those who who are already citizens of it. Because... The expectation for those who are already citizens of heaven is that we are already prioritizing the kingdom of heaven. We, are or, we have already been, like I said, we are blood-bought believers. We have been saved. We have been adopted, grafted into the people of God. Now we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. Thus, we should have the cravings and the desires, the pursuits, the priorities of a citizen from heaven, the citizen of God's kingdom. Let me give you an example. Everyone enjoying the meals uh, this, you know, this entire weekend? Yes? Fantastic. Guess what? Me and Faye, we brought rice. You know why? Because we're Filipinos. And we crave rice. You know, this, even, even at, at uh, I think it's a lunchtime, right? We were eating our nacho meals, and there was another Filipino... I won't mention the name, but she looked at my, I shouldn't say she, but they, the person looked at my meal and was like, ha, or like laughed, or, you know, they're not, my kids aren't going to, okay, I shouldn't say they have kids either, but <laughs> because they had a bowl of rice that, that they were going to bring to their uh, relatives. My point is, because we're Filipinos, we have that craving for rice. It's sort of in our blood, right? Uh, Amen, Filipinos? Goodness. (laughs) 
listen, it's the same thing as citizens of heaven. As citizens of heaven from another country, as aliens in this world, our cravings, our priorities ought to be for things of the kingdom, not of this world. Paul says, in regards to the people who, who are of this world, he says in Philippians 3, he says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But then he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What we delight in, what we should be satisfied in, gives us what gives us joy and hope is not tied to this world. It's tied to the kingdom of God in which we are citizens of, in which we are part of. Therefore, we ought to prioritize those things. Listen, can I suggest something? Can I suggest the reason why we often become anxious about things of this world the reason why we get so, so worried about the things in our lives is because we think, if, we think that those things will satisfy us. We think that if, one, if I only meet the, the standards of whatever that is, then I'll find some sort of relief, some sort of comfort. When in reality, the things of this world cannot satisfy citizens of heaven. Because we're no longer of this world. We are, new we are new creatures. We are new creations. We have new longings and desires. It's like trying to fill the, the cravings of the kingdom with the confections from this world. You know, we're talking about desiring and, and wanting to be in the presence of God and being like Mary and, and sitting at the feet of the Savior Listen, you cannot desire after those things. You cannot find fulfillment or long after the presence of Christ if you are still desiring things from this world. We're, we're actually talking about this in our breakout group or in the first session. When our fulfillment, when our satisfaction, when our comfort is found in, in social media, in Netflix, in the affirmation of man, how do we expect to find comfort and satisfaction in the things of God. Our flesh craves the world more. There's a battle there. And so this is why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And again, the reality is, as citizens of heaven, as believers, we should already be doing that first. We should already be putting a priority on the things of God first. We should already be looking to expand his kingdom here on this world. Our, our king and declaring his sovereignty and his authority and his power in this world, his rule over this world. And everything else, the basic necessities, God will provide. He has a better connection. He has a better governance over this world than we do. All we have to do is make sure that we are focused on his kingdom. To behave and act and, and move like, those, the, like citizens of his kingdom. And the rest of it, he'll take care of. He'll provide the basic necessities that we, ha that we have for our stay in this world. 
Our our hopes for satisfaction should not be in the things of this world, in the kingdom of this world, but in his kingdom and in our king. So here's the three remedies that we talked about this evening. Number one, recall your identity. Rely on God's sovereignty and rearrange your priorities. Again, if you want to be less anxious in this life, remember who you are in Christ. Remember that you are an image bearer of God. Remember that you are a child of God and you have a a loving heavenly father that cares for you, that knows your needs. And remember that that same heavenly father is sovereign over all. He is in control over all. He has power over all. He has authority over all. That's who we are depending on. That's who we are called to trust. Rearrange your priorities. As citizens of heaven, rearrange your, what, it, what it is that you pursue in this life. Everything else will follow. If you're in, in school right now, make sure that the reason why you are pursuing your studies, your degree, whatever it is, is for the glory of God. If you are a parent, make sure that, that the, the reason why you are trying your best to raise these kids is to, to raise them in, in a godly house, to raise another generation of believers in your house, to bring more glory to God. Rearrange your priorities. Just as we, as we close this session here, before we go into our breakout groups, you know, I, a big theme of what Jesus is talking about in our passage, in Matthew chapter 6, of why people become anxious, is because we don't trust God enough. Very simple. We don't trust God enough. Again, it's why he calls, he reminds the people that you are your children of God, that God values you, values you more than the, than the birds or the, 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 the flowers of the fields. Because he's calling people to trust God more. To surrender to God more. Let me ask this question to everyone this evening. What do you need to trust God with? What do you need to surrender to Him? You know, we're talking about the many things that we become anxious about, or we worry about. Maybe it's how to provide for our family, maybe it's our job, our career, our future. Are you trusting God with those things? Are you surrendering those things to God? Church, brothers and sisters, we are called to trust God with our worries. Because as as Christ himself says, God cares. He knows what we need. He is our Heavenly Father who's ready to help us, who's ready to provide for whatever it is that we need in this life. I invite you to trust in Him. Let me pray.
before we go into our groups. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, first and foremost, thank you for creating us in your image. Despite our many shortcomings and our failings, you still value us more than the things of creation. You still call us your own. You still call us your children. But let this be a point of conviction, O God, that despite how you see us, we still fall short in how we see you. We still fall short in trusting you with our worries and our cares. We still fall short in surrendering to you the things that burden our hearts. And instead, we, we try to handle it ourselves. We try to, to fix things on our own. As a result, we, we become anxious and worried and we, we are pulled apart, pulled in different directions. When all we need to do is just abide, all we have to do is just stick in your presence and surrender. So I pray, Lord, help our unbelief. Help us trust more. Help us be like little children who are utterly dependent on their parent. Help us to have that childlike faith once more. And I get it, God, maybe we have gone through seasons of trials and troubles and seasons of drought where, God, we've been praying and we've been asking and as a result, where God, nothing has come about and we feel like we've been abandoned, we feel like we have to do things on our own. The reality is, God, you are still present in those times. And you still call us to trust Regardless how long the drought is, you still call us to trust and depend and have faith in you, our Heavenly Father. So I pray, Father God, for the anxious heart this evening. The heart that needs to surrender to you once more. The heart that needs to trust in you once more. I pray that you would move in their heart. I pray, God, that we would prioritize your kingdom first. I pray these things in Jesus, your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.